At first, it was just one sheep per day. But as the deadly dragon grew more powerful, he demanded more and more. Soon it was the people of Silene themselves, so intense was his insatiable hunger, his desperate desire for more and more. Until, until one day a courageous knight named George agrees to confront the dragon. After a long and bloody battle, George finally defeats the cruel beast, saves the princess, and rescues the town. With what weapon did George slay the dragon? A spear? A lance? A sword? Maybe, just maybe, the dragon was slain by love. Welcome to Slain by Love, your weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of St. George's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Y'all be seated and good morning. I bet that I am not the only one in the room with a heavy heart this morning. I imagine that I am not the only one in the room this morning with a heavy heart over the mass casualties that we've been hearing about for the last week or so in Palestine and Israel and Gaza. 2,200 Palestinians murdered. 1,300 Israelites, Israelis, death. That's 3,500 brothers and sisters, dead. 3,500 people, human beings created in God's image, 3,500 souls for whom Christ died. Now, why am I talking to y'all this morning about such a horrible tragedy? Why am I talking to you about this devastating situation? It has something to do with Psalm 23. In this psalm, which you can find in your service leaflet, in this psalm, Psalm 23, we see the opposite of such brutality. We see the opposite of such violence and suffering. In this psalm, we see, and we're, we're invited to imagine a beautiful picture. Instead of violence, we see peace. Instead of trauma, we find healing. Instead of decimation, we experience regeneration and growth. Question, what is Psalm 23 about? It's probably the most popular psalm in, in the entire Psalter. It's the one that whenever you go, whenever a priest goes to the hospital and visits folks, and I say, do you have a favorite psalm? Is there a psalm that you would like to pray together? Inevitably, more often than not, it is Psalm 23. But what is it about? Psalm 23, I'm here to tell you all this morning, I'm here to suggest to you this morning, Psalm 23 is about a journey, a pilgrimage, uh, in Latin, it would be a, peregr a peregrinatio, like peregrine falcon. Psalm 23 is about a journey. It is the journey of the Christian life. And like all journeys, Psalm 23, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. But before we even get to the beginning this morning, y'all, I want to think with you about the title of the psalm. Did you know that out of the 150 psalms in the Hebrew Bible, the vast majority of them have titles? 
The title this morning uh, in Psalm 23 is verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean? What does that mean to say, I shall not want? Has the psalmist squelched all of his desires? Is he sitting, sorry ladies, it is a he. I, I wish it weren't the case, but it is the case. It's a he, sorry. Is he sitting uh, in meditation like a detached Buddha? Or like an ancient Stoic, stripped of all earthly wants and needs? As much as I love that picture, as much as I love that image, I am compelled to say that actually, no. What this theme statement of the psalm is saying is this, because the Lord is taking care of me. Because the Lord is taking care of me like a shepherd does a sheep. Guess what? There is not a thing in the world that I need that I lack. Because I have the Lord and the Lord's presence, I have everything. Everything, you might be asking. I hope you are. Uh, what, what about the people who are in great suffering today? What about people dying of hunger and thirst? What about people who are naked and being brutally tortured in unspeakably cruel ways? What about them, Father Matt? Good question. We're going to come back to it. But for now, the answer is yes, everything. If you have God, you have everything, even if you are naked and thirsty. At least that is what the psalmist thinks. That is what the psalmist believes. In a couple of minutes, we're going to see if we agree. We're going to see if it's true. The psalmist, a.k.a. this sheep, here in Psalm 23 is saying this, there is not a thing in the world that I need that I don't already have. Because of this good shepherd, because of this good shepherd, all my needs are met. Because of this shepherd, I have everything that I need. I actually think that the Spanish captures it better than the English. El Señor and mi pastor, nada me falta. Nada me falta. Nothing is lacking. I am not in lack. All of my needs are met. I don't want anything. This is, reminds me of a line from a Sinead O'Connor song, God Rest Her Soul. The line is, I don't want anything that I haven't already got. Because of the good shepherd, I am totally content. See, you and I, we live in a world of violence, where violence and trauma are the norm, fear and exhaustion, the norm. By the way, some of us, some of y'all, some of us have been hanging out at ACL Fest in Zilker Park over the last couple of weekends. I find that super interesting because it helps us imagine the way that the violence in Gaza got started, the way that the violence in Israel got started, because it started at a music festival. But most of the world does not get to enjoy music festivals all of the time because for most of the world, fear and exhaustion are the norm. They're the norm. But in this psalm, we find a different picture. Because of our shepherd, 
We can find true rest. We can be truly content. But again, I ask us, I ask us, I ask myself, is this just pie in the sky? Is this just wishful thinking? To answer that question, guess what? We actually have to begin the journey. To answer that question, we have to hit the road. We have to start walking. We have to put one foot in front of the other. To answer that question, we have to begin. Now, with the title of the psalm behind us, it's time to set off. It's time to set off on pilgrimage. There's uh, members of this congregation who, who are in Spain uh, right now on the Camino de Santiago, and they are on pilgrimage. Well, guess what? We are going to go on pilgrimage right now with the title of the psalm behind us. So look with me at verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, we're invited to slow down and to really meditate on this verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Did you hear that verb, makes? Kind of a, a strange verb. Why doesn't it say he invites me to lie down? Why doesn't it say he encourages me to lie down? Why makes? I don't know if y'all have read the 2014 bestseller, The Body Keeps the Score. Some of us discussed it in Lent last year, The Body Keeps the Score. The subtitle of that work says it all, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. You see, when I spoke of Gaza a few minutes ago, I was speaking of a trauma-inducing event. Well, guess what, friends? Psalm 23, in Psalm 23, the psalmist is neck deep in a trauma-inducing event. How do I know? How do I know? Scholars will tell you that when King David wrote this psalm, he was embroiled in conflict. Not just any old conflict, conflict with his son Absalom. His son Absalom who rose up in defiance against him. It's all right there in 2 Samuel 17, where David's army is about to fight against the rebel army of his very son, Absalom. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having to wage war against your own son, your own child who's trying to overthrow you, overthrow you, to kill you, to usurp the throne from you? That is where David was when he wrote this psalm. He was likely hiding in a cave, trying to recover from conflict. So you see, it's in the midst of trial. It's in the midst of this gut-wrenching ordeal that David proclaims, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You see, friends, true spirituality does not begin, we're still at the beginning of this journey, and true spirituality does not begin in exuberance. True communion does not begin in triumph or in elation, not on the mountaintop. No, it begins in need. Look at David's need. Radical need, desperate need. Life with God begins with darkness, and struggle. It begins with exhaustion. I'm reminded of one of my favorite quotes, God's office is at the end of your rope. God's office is at the end of your rope. David was at the end of his rope, and it is here of all places. It is here 
that he falls into the arms of his good shepherd. It's here that he's finally able to rest in lush, green pastures. And actually, he wasn't given the option to rest. He was made to rest. Have you ever known someone who, even when their immune system begins to crash, they grit their teeth and keep going? It's not good. How come y'all are looking at me right now? It's not good. Someone who, even when their immune system crashes, they insist on keeping on going. But that immune system is an infallible alarm bell. It's an infallible alarm bell. You absolutely must rest, it is saying. It's a law of nature. It's a principle of God's creation. We cannot live without times of rest and rejuvenation when the soul, uh, the soil of our life lies fallow. And that's true for us as individuals, but it's also true collectively, is it not? Surely this is connected to our apparently impending climate catastrophe. Does the GDP really have to be more than 5% every year? Are we burning ourselves out? Are we exhausting the earth? In the midst of this kind of exhaustion, the good shepherd requires rest. He makes me lie down, the psalmist says. So friends, do you see how the Christian life begins? It begins in trauma and exhaustion, which lead to a forced regimen of rest. He makes me, King David says, he makes me lie down and rest. And then, finally, then and only then, are we able to get moving. After our forced regimen of R&R, we find and feel, we feel strength in our legs, energy in our veins. And so it is that we come to verse 3 in your service leaflet this morning. He guides me along right pathways. And now... We are up and running. We are well on our way. Now, it's a long and winding journey, this sheep and the shepherd. There's lots of dangers on this road. What strikes me, though, is that the gravest danger of all is the sheep himself, the sheep herself, not the wolves, not the wind, not the bandits, not the suicide terrorists, not the contagious germs of a, dangerous of, of a dangerous virus. No, those dangers are real. Those dangers are grave, but the greatest threat is something else. The sheep himself, the sheep herself is its own worst enemy. How do we know? Because of the staff. Because of the staff. Your rod and your staff Verse 4, they comfort me. As I imagine this part of the psalm, I think of the bishop's staff, the bishop's crozier with its big O hook. This is the kind of hook used to, to grab this, the straying sheep gently and to pull it back to safety. Safety from getting lost. Safety from isolation. Safety from vulnerability of attack. Safety from walking right over a cliff, which is the kind of things that sheep do. But friends, even though there are grave dangers on this journey, guess what? 
there are also wonderful surprises on this journey. It's not as if the sheep are walking on eggshells all the time, full of fear. No, there are gifts to be enjoyed on this trip, even in the valley of the shadow of death, which this psalm poetically talks about. Even there, even in the valley of the shadow of death, gifts and surprises. Verse 5, you spread a feast before me. You anoint my head with oil. And when I lived in East Texas, I learned how to say it properly, oil. You anoint my head with oil. My cup is running over. Friends, this is the language of happiness, of joy, of abundance. That kind of language is perfect for the season of stewardship. A cornucopia of delights, the gift of fragrant oil, and a goblet, a glass of wine to be enjoyed. Question, though, what if you or a loved one are suffering today? I've just been talking about a cornucopia of delights, right? All this good stuff. But what if you or someone you love is suffering today? Even if you or someone you love is the poorest, most endangered person in the world, guess what? That cornucopia still awaits you. That cornucopia awaits you even then, even in that valley. You know where? You know where you can find that meal, that gift, that abundance, that delight, that cornucopia. Do you know where? Right behind me. Right behind me at this altar rail. That is where we can find at this table that we return to over and over on this road, the table that sustains us for this journey. This feast of joy and gladness, though, it is just a foretaste. It's just a foretaste. It's just a foretaste of the ultimate destination of this journey because you see, after the beginning of the journey in turmoil, after the middle of the journey on the road, we finally come to the destination of this psalm. And what is it? What is the destination of this psalm? It's the same as the destination in the Christian life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The house of the Lord. In the book of Genesis, it's called Bethel. Let me hear you say Bethel. Bethel. The house of God. It was at Bethel that Abraham first built an altar to God. It was at Bethel that Jacob dreamed of a ladder connecting heaven and earth. It was at Bethel that all of that happened. You see, Bethel is the place of God's presence, the experience of God's presence. Bethel is the whole purpose of the human life. Bethel is why you exist, I say with great boldness and hopefully humility. Bethel is why you exist, the presence of God to enjoy God's presence. Psalm 16, in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's why you exist, to enjoy God's presence. And dear friends, I want to close like this. How will we get there? How will we get there? How will we reach this destination with Psalm 23 ringing in our ears? How will we make it to God's house by trying really hard? 
by reading a bunch of self-help books, by attending motivational seminars. Think about this sheep in Psalm 23. This sheep is utterly passive, utterly passive. In this psalm, in this journey of the Christian life, it's the shepherd who is doing all of the work, 100% of the action. The shepherd is literally the subject of every verb. The shepherd makes me lie down. He leads me. He guides me. He revives my soul. He spreads a table, and he anoints me, and he comforts me. Do you see? The shepherd is doing all the work. Friends, he did it on the cross. It was on the cross that Jesus was naked and thirsty. Now, earlier I said that if you're naked and thirsty and have God, you have everything. If you're naked and thirsty but you still have God, guess what? You have everything. That's what I said earlier. Is that really true? Think with me about the cross for a moment. On the cross, he was naked without clothing. He was thirsty without drink. And it's so tempting for a preacher like me preaching on this psalm, it's so tempting to close the sermon by saying, look at Jesus. He lacked clothing and he lacked food and water, but he had God, so everything was okay. But is that what it says? Does the gospel and the stories in the gospels, do they say that on the cross Jesus lacked his basic needs, but he had God, and so it all worked out? No, it does not. Yes, he lacked drink. Yes, he lacked clothing. But infinitely more than that, he lacked God. He was abandoned. Matthew 27, 46, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? See, it's not the lack of clothing or food or drink that crushed Jesus. It was the lack of God's presence. Was God present at the cross? Was the cross Bethel? Was the cross God's house? Strangely, for a brief time, it was not. See, the shepherd lost God's presence so that the sheep would never have to. Jesus died on the cross not to give us food and drink and clothing and large bank accounts. He died to give us God's presence, God's presence in the form of the Holy Spirit, God's presence in the form of a clean conscience, God's presence in the form of a true community, a true family of believers, God's presence in the form of his sacramental body on this altar. So yes, if you have God's presence, even if you are naked and thirsty, you have everything. For a brief time, Jesus was banished and evicted from God's house, but because of that, we never will be. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, says the sheep, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thanks for joining us at the pulpit of St. George's Austin, where the love of God in Christ slays our enemies, our fears, our guilt, our worries. How are they slain? Only by love. Special thanks to the good folks of St. George's and especially to that masterful media guru, Liam Dolan Henderson. See you next week. Peace and be well.